You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. Tips to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Podnuts Pro. My name is Marvin B., and we are coming at you, not exactly live, but from the great state of Florida, the city of Fort Lauderdale. And for those of you that have been stalking my Facebook profile, I am back in the state of Florida from the mountains of Georgia. And I'm happy because I have internet, um, and I'm happy here to, to record this show. So to get us started, I want to let everybody know that I am joined by my friend Colin Knotts with Gradient MSP. Colin, how are you? Doing awesome, man. How are you? I am good. I am good. Although, every time we do this, I got to say I'm not doing as good as that Captain America shield in your background. <laughs> it's a, That's an awesome thing to see. Thanks. Thanks. It's it's one of those things that works really good with video, but now all of, our, uh, all of the people listening on audio here are going to be trying to look up other videos that I've been on so that they can see what you're talking about. <laughs> well, or we'll get you back on for a live show here um, in 2022. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So some of my listeners may know you from a while back on this podcast, but of course in some other ventures, but it has mm-hmm. been, when I went back and looked at the notes, it's been over two years since you were on here with us. It's been a while, man. It's and been a while. It's- been a lot going on for sure. Yep, so I were, figured it's a good good time to catch back up. Yep, you were with another company and yeah. uh, Solar Winds at the time. Although you actually got to Solar Winds through Passportal. Yeah, I uh, created, well, founded, and, and built Passportal <clears throat> in the channel for uh, you know privileged credential management for MSPs and. We uh, had a really great run with that business. It was a lot of fun and, and ended up getting acquired in April of 2019 by SolarWinds MSP and then spent some time integrating that business and, um, you know, figuring out the lay of the land inside that enterprise business and uh, then then kind of moved and slid into a post as the VP of community there and worked with the 25,000 MSP partners that solar winds now enable had at the time and you know kind of coming out of a, a busy summer last year um was was thinking it's it had been a fairly grueling 10 plus years of starting scaling and exiting two businesses and so figured i would take some time off and recollect myself and re-energize and uh yeah so i did that and a couple months into that i kind of got bit by the bug again, had a, had a bit of a revelation and idea come to me. And now here we are again, round two or round three, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I had an MSP as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, so trans- with it. translation is you got bored and couldn't think of any new and interesting you, things to do to waste time. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. Cause I, 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 I did a bunch of podcasts last year after I got back into it and they're like, what, what, like how, how, how are you back in it already? And it was funny because yeah, it was it was this like short-lived retirement where uh, I did everything that I could think of possibly ever doing, and I crammed it in. And 
after a bit, it was like, do I want to go for a drive and do something in the mountains? I've done that tons of times now. Do I want to go out in the lake? <laughs> I've done that the other day. Do I want to go do this? I was like, man, now you got to get into like this normal, boring routine. Um, so I started doing the thing, like having coffee, reading the subreddit, jumping in Facebook groups and seeing what was going on. And then it was kind of like, uh, this is something we could do and that would be good at keeping us busy. So. All right. And now you're back in 100. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to wish it was only 100. (laughs) I wish it was only 100. Uh, So we're going to talk about gradient MSP, but before we do, I wanted to do a little side thing here. When we were doing Mm -hmm. the prep for this show, we talked about some of the things that led up to, you know, MSPs getting paid and pricing and billing uh, should mm-hmm. should we charge by margin? Should we charge by seat? Should we charge by value? And you now have been full circle with, you know, being an MSP, you know, yeah. venturing over to the dark side and, and now trying to find a way to, to make everything an MSP does uh, make it better around being able yeah. to bill and capture lost costs and things like that. But yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts a little more in detail about what's the best concept that MSP should look at when it comes to billing and pricing? Yeah. Um, So I think there's so many different approaches to it. Um, And I don't think with the variance of economic climate, even within one single nation or country, that that there's any single magic answer um, that works the best. But when you look at how you should be approaching things as a business. So if you're in the business of being an MSP, a solutions provider, whatever, and there's this resale of services that flows through, you have this need to understand what your costs of goods sold are in identifying what your pricing needs to be um, in order to be a profitable business. And there's a whole bunch of things that fall into that. And there's some groups that do this cost up approach um, where you kind of look at, okay, what are all the costs that go into making a sale and operating it and continuing to deliver that service? And now let's add 25%, 50% markup and, and run with that. Some people just look at, okay, what does this license cost me? And, and they choose a price and go out. But I think there's so much more to it as you look at, you know, what one, a market will bear for any individual service um, because that again differs, right? Like I remember running an MSP in up here in Canada and what we call the Prairie Provinces, and we're trying to dr- drive and sell business continuity. Well, we don't have tornadoes, we don't have hurricanes, we don't have earthquakes, we don't, right? And so it was trying to come up with this, like, you know, what what's really likely to happen? And ransomware wasn't even a thing then. Um, you know, of how we can sell and, and what a market would bear for business continuity and stuff. But getting that understanding of, of what the local um, market will pay for a certain solution and then trying to determine if, if you're struggling with a price on as an individual product or service offering and people are balking at that price, that's where you can start to turn and pivot to a more value-based approach where it's, you know, more inclusive on, okay, we're not telling you that what you're paying for this component is X dollars a month per seed or per user per whatever else, but these are all of the things you get for this set price. And knowing and understanding that you can be profitable across the board 
um, with that. So it can create less, less questions and confusion in it all. Um, but what's really important for you as a business is to be able to understand what's going into that service and what your true costs are so that you can be sure you are actually profitable at the end of the day. Well, that sounds about right. That's kind of a, an approach that we've been taking where, you know, we started to try to follow the model where, you know, you should be making 30%. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, doesn't quite work because most of my customers, they don't want to hear a per seat pricing. No. And it's right. hard to do per seat when you're doing multiple products. You know, it's, you know, is it per seat based on the user, you know, that works at the company? Does that user have an email? Does that user have a computer? And we've got a lot of situations where it's a mix. And Yeah, and it's, you know, you look back, and I'll, I'll give them a shout-out on here, but I remember years ago when Gary Pico was saying, like, you got to sell the cake, right? Like, your, your clients don't want to buy every ingredient that's on there. They want to buy the finished product and, and enjoy that. And, and, you know, you look at other industries or even types of businesses who goes to a fast food restaurant and orders a burger and then goes and orders a soda and then orders your fries or whatever. No, you just go and you're like, I want combo number three. It's all packed together. And if you look at, you know, all the prices of everything else and you figure, you know, out however you're going to do it, that's complicated. It's confusing. You're not going to have as good an experience. You're going to be left feeling like, you know, there's something more missing from from your experience and from your meal. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said about having service bundles um, to deliver to clients. But again, in a way that allows you to track down, because there are instances where your costs fluctuate based off of, you know, whether it's high watermark pricing on things, whether it's you know, all of a sudden somebody's taking up more space or seats than you know, at a certain threshold, and now they have to be graduated on their tenant to a different level account, which, yeah, gives them way more capacity, but also boosted your own costs, your own price underneath that you might not have realized in the intricacies of tracking that, that now all of a sudden you're not profitable, or maybe you're breaking even on it, but you should be making more money on it. So um, finding the right way to track that and manage that um, so that you're always able to make the best decisions for your business, understand where you truly are making money in your business or where you need to make adjustments to, to right tune that. Well, the other problem that we run into is that some of us are signing two and three year contracts with our vendors and, you know, we're stuck at that price, but something may change at the client. Um, <clears throat> you know, whether they ups, upsize or downsize, um, that's going to affect you know, and then trying to go back and renegotiate that contract is is uh, yeah. difficult in some cases. It was interesting that you mentioned the uh, the fast food the fast food menu because remember years ago when everybody was big on the dollar menu. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, it was it was half the size of the board when you went to look at it. Well, now they may have a dollar menu, but it's it's only three or four things and none of them were a dollar anymore. Yeah. Well, but that's not, that's they've recognized. And this is where we can take clues from. That's not where they're making money. Yep. That was great as what you would call a lost leader for a period of time that got people in the habit of driving to that fast food joint on the way home or on the way out to work in the morning 
swinging through and I know I can get coffee and a breakfast sandwich for a buck 99 or whatever. This is awesome. This is awesome. And then now they introduce these more exquisite options for breakfast sandwiches or, you know, tack on a donut or a muffin or whatever else. And they found how they could get everybody in the door. Now they're it's habitual thing. And now they switch what they're selling and how they're going about it. You know, an MSP can do the same thing with a toe in the door, whether that's on an EDR offering or a quick backup or SaaS backup or something light level or lightweight and low level that you can get your toe in the door. Not might not necessarily be your moneymaker, but you can learn how to expand it from there um, and and capture more of the, the opportunity with them. But yeah, absolutely. If you're going in selling your cheapest wares, that make you the less money, you'll end up with a whole lot of customers, but you're not going to end up with a whole lot of money at the end of the day. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you have to evolve and, and, and learn at what stage it makes the most sense to use what strategies and tactics. Yep. And realize that if you're trying to keep up with those people that are selling at the bottom, there's a reason they're at the bottom. And most of the time they're not around very much longer. Yeah. So you, you, you want to stay around, uh, figure out the way to maximize or at, at the very least. I mean, and this is what I tell people when I, I've had some people ask me, you know, the, the bottom line is you have to cover your costs. So the first thing is you got to know what your costs are. Yeah. You know, list out every single, and not just the service. Don't just find out what your RMM and PSA cost and then figure out your percentage there. You've got to go back and look at, you know, if you're, you know, renting or leasing a building or a space, you know, yeah. what does that cost you? What does it cost for, you know, an employee? And if you're a person where you're a one person shop, well, you've got to put your employee cost in there. Yeah. And you uh, got a bookkeeper that's doing things in the back end and you've got, you know, maybe it's a, an appointment scheduler or calling service or there's all of these things that go into your general and administration costs that need to be shared across everything that you're selling. Yeah. Because those are not revenue generating services or, or efforts. And so your revenue generating things definitely needs to make sure that it covers the cost of the entire operation. Yep. And not, not only the bookkeeper, but what's it cost you to do that tax preparation? Because absolutely, we have separate bookkeeping. And I have a, a person that does, we're an S-corp. So I've got to yeah. do two tax returns. And the business tax return is not as cheap as the personal tax return. No, it sure is. That's a three thousand dollar bill that I've got to, you know, yeah. mix in there as well. So that and you got your your accounting package, licensing or subscription. You've got just everything. Your own Microsoft three sixty five or Google or whatever yeah. you use. There's so many so many things that fall into it. All right. Well, I think we've covered enough there. We can have a whole show on pricing, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> we're here uh, about gradient MSP. And it's funny that um, when you go to look that up, gradient MSP, there are places where I've seen where it's basically being dubbed the easiest way to reconcile MSP billing. Yeah. So I guess we can start with that. And what is the concept behind Gradient MSP and, and why did you start it? Yeah. So this is this is all part of the aha moment that we had where, you know, reading through the MSP subreddit and Facebook groups, 
there's a million questions that fly all the time about, you know, who, who are the best backup providers that I can partner with that integrate with my, this PSA or what PSAs does this integrate with and what, what happens with that? And there's all these questions because these people and MSPs and IT providers and everything want to find vendors and solutions that integrate with their PSAs so that the administrative side of their business is, is just easier. And at the same time we had, you know, you start looking at posts that were coming up saying, how are you guys managing failing across all of your clients and, and how are you doing this and how are you taking care of it? And we started looking and, and the more MSPs that we talked to, the more that we realized there's an exorbitant amount of time that gets just spent infuriatingly and frustratingly every single month looking at a wealth of vendor portal tabs on one screen, trying to find out all the different dynamic changes and consumption of their clients for every one of those services, and then doing about a million mouse clicks in their PSA to browse to the contracts, to find the right contract, to go to services, to edit the service, and then find out if the number was right or not, and then manually update that and over and over in this horrifically monotonous process. And what we found was that the people that do it, they're getting paid for most of the stuff that they're doing, most of the services that they're reselling. But it's it's so much like they hate their life while they're doing it. And it's this like gut-wrenching feeling because it's just something that they have to do every single month, kind of like having to do your taxes every year. And they just don't like it. And they waste extra time because they get lost of where was I at and everything else. And then laziness starts to kick in and they're less, less um, you know, attention to detail going through it. But then there's other MSPs we talk to and they just don't do it, which boggled my mind that I get it because it's a horrible thing to do every month, but they're just not doing it. When you say don't do it, meaning they don't go in and track what their incoming costs are versus what they're charging their customers. Yeah. They don't check to see how much is, is being consumed for each client on each service and everything. They just go, no, I'm billing what I'm billing and so be it. And it's amazing because they're all sitting there conceding on the fact that they know upwards of 10% of their revenue they're missing out on because they just don't want to go through that process and they just want it to be automated for them. Um, one, one person that we were speaking to recently took three days going through this process, hadn't done it in a year or more, and took three days going through the process of every vendor and every product and every contract and everything else. And he found 20% of his revenue he wasn't, wasn't charging for, for this entire time or for some period of that time, uh, which is an astounding amount of money that that, that business was missing out on. When we, when we kind of flip our hats over for a second and look at, well, why aren't vendors, why haven't vendors solved this for their partners? You know, and we started talking to a whole bunch of channel vendors about, do you hear this from your partners? Is this something that MSPs are requesting for your services to automatically update their contracts in the PSA so that they can just bill for stuff and bill the right amounts? Every single one of them admitted and recognized that this is a top three feature request from their partners. And when we dug in further to ask them, well, why, why haven't you delivered it or why aren't you doing it? 
the words that they shared were the same as what we remembered when we were running Pass Portal as to why we didn't have integrations with every PSA. Because it's not just one or two PSAs that you're integrating with, right? Yeah, there's some very popular couple, but there's nearly 20 PSA solutions serving this market now with market share. And if I want to build the best possible software for a specific function of what you know we're trying to offer MSPs and through to their end clients, you can't actually afford the R&D effort of stopping building on that or fine-tuning or fixing any defects and, and things like that to then go out and build the swath of integrations and fall behind on what your product actually does. And that's even if you can get the API access and if you can work it out and, and have everything flow through and, and make it you know, a done deal. So when we looked at this, we said, okay, so this is something that MSPs so badly want to have solved. And there's all these good reasons to having it, but there's also a whole lot of good reasons as to why the vendors haven't delivered it. We said, where can we kind of drop ourselves in this gap to make this possible? And so we went out and we connected with a whole bunch of these PSA platforms and built integrations with them all and, and got everything connected. And now we've gone and, and exposed a single API so that to, to lessen that load for any channel vendor, they can build one integration and automatically connect to any of the eight PSAs that we currently support, inherently delivering this flow through viability and functionality for their partners Partners get all of their and MSPs get all of their services reconciled automatically and start collecting their money with less effort and less work. Um, and in our opinion, the industry just flows and works better. Um, so that's that's kind of what drove us to create this and and you know recover that revenue, save that time, but then also ease things and and make it better for channel vendors and delivering that type of functionality to their partners. All right. So I have a question that you may not be ready for, and I don't know if you have an answer, but you've been doing this uh, just over a year. And my question is, did you get any pushback from any of the channel vendors because they're doing their own ecosystem where they're doing the integration between their products? And that's why they're buying up all these other companies and so that they can do that themselves. So. Yes and no. I think some some of the the PSA platform companies we talked to initially didn't fully get <clears throat> what we were doing. But the beauty is, is they all have really great, well, most of them have really great PSA platforms. I say most, not because some are bad, but some just don't have a PSA platform. Um, but, you know, they, they all have a, a good product on that. But then they have all these other products, like you said, that they acquired. And when they acquired those products, that didn't automatically make all of those partners and MSPs that came in from any security solution or other backup solution or anything else that they've acquired along the way, didn't all of a sudden make them users of that company's PSA, right? So they have this whole spattering of MSPs that are using and reselling solutions that they now own as, as a platform company, but they still need to deliver those integrations and flow throughs to other PSA platforms. And now when we said, when I said a few minutes ago, go out and get API access if they even can, that's where that problem comes in. Because you have some companies that maybe have you know, a really great backup solution that should be flowing through to any PSA, but they can't because they also own a PSA. So when they try to get that mm. integration access, that other company is going, 
you know what? I appreciate what you're trying to do, but we don't want to compete against you. Here, yeah. right? Like we, we can't deliver that. And that it's, it's a point of exposure and risk. And so what the opportunity is, is we create that abstraction layer where we can't be used as a competitive displacement tool where you can migrate from one PSA to the next, because that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is make any solution be able to connect into any PSA and to flow that through fluidly and seamlessly. So that at the end of the day, MSPs don't necessarily have to switch their PSA, but they also don't have to give up what they're considering the best fit possible solution on some category because it doesn't integrate or isn't available through the, the platform or ecosystem of the PSA they run their business on. Okay. So the Gradient MSP platform that you've got is only going to focus on PSAs and not these other, I don't want to say lesser RMMs, you know, that uh, are out there. So right now, we focus on the PSAs. Okay. I would say, I won't say that we'd never focus on other categories because the chances are that at some point in the future on no definitive timeline, our goal is to, to, to be the integration platform for the managed services industry and managed services market. So, you know, if that means building an opportunity where any kind of agnostic script can be run and connected to any RMM, then that's something we're going to look at. If our ability to connect and allow any documentation platform to work seamlessly with any PSA or with an RMM or with a VCIO QBR tool, like we're looking at rounding out so that any MSP stack is intrinsically and natively integrated across the board without having to lobby each individual vendor to build five or six different integrations if they don't have them already or be able to cross your fingers and hope that someday it happens when the likelihood is is, is it probably won't just because of competitive alignment um, that exists in the industry. All right. Well, you mentioned a QBR tool, and I will give my little two cents here because I am in this this little valley in between <laughs> making myself – and my company work better where, you know, I'm trying to get better integration and better reporting. But my first step, and not that I'm going to say it's a bad step right now, it may be, but I went to look to a QBR tool, Lifecycle Insights, where, you know, we're cleaning up our data so we can get everything into that and be able to work with our customers and help them, you know, plan for the future and know what they're Spend, yeah, their spending is going to be over the next three to five years. And what are they really paying mm-hmm. for and, and getting information on other IT costs that they're doing that they didn't tell us about um, and being able to bring in the 365 billing and all their contracts and stuff. So that's where we started. So it sounds like at some point those would be almost a perfect fit for what yeah, you're doing. Absolutely. absolutely. And the, the other thing is, you know, right now we support eight PSAs, you know, that that number will continue to grow. I also remember being an upstart emerging vendor, and we are again, but having very limited resources to put to development and everything else. And so if I'm trying to build the best QBR tool, if I'm trying to build the best newest documentation tool or whatever else is out there, I'm trying to focus on the feedback from the early adopting MSPs and give them the features that they want. And 
I don't have, again, the time and flexibility and resources to build a ton of integrations. And there's ways that even emerging vendors can be taken advantage of because of the kind of precarious early position that they're in. Well, if we help solve that so that we can drive a culture of innovation and give every innovative startup an opportunity in our space by saying, integrate with Gradient, and now all of a sudden they have integrations across all the PSAs, how awesome would that be? I mean, I walked trade floors as an MSP, and I walked through the emerging vendor pavilions or the new startup zone and alley and stuff, and I saw tools that just blew my mind that I wished I could actually go and and hop on board with, but then I found out oh, you're only integrated with this one PSA. I run on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When are you going to have that? And then you get fed the same line and it's it's altruistic and it's not, you know, trying to be damaging or anything else. But, you know, it's it's this thing where, oh, you know, we're, we're hoping it'll be next. It's coming soon or maybe right. in the next the year, six months. <laughs> right. And And now they've lost access to me as a potential person that really wanted to onboard, that really wanted to try that solution. And who knows when they eventually get around to that and everything else. Whereas, again, if you're going to make that investment to integrate with one PSA, well, then just make that investment with Gradient. Now they can access everybody. Now an MSP going and finding that gets excited about the solution, they're supported and it can work and they can start doing it. And, and it just accelerates the time to market and the market reach and stuff for other innovative solutions like uh, like any of those upstarting, whether it's a CX platform, a QBR tool, or, or anything along those lines. All right. So we should probably have said this earlier, but the website, um, the easiest website, I guess, is to meetgradient.com. Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes and all the information is pretty much there. It's not like we're hiding anything from you. You even got your pricing on there. Now, a question I have is we've been talking about it as Gradient MSP. You actually launched this under a title of billable. Is, is it yes. still that? Um, yeah, that's, that's what we're calling the the product there for now. Cause we figured, Hey, if it's billable, you should be charging for it. So um, we we manage all of that stuff. Such a such a fun industry term. Uh, what's billable versus non-billable? Yep. But that that is what we're calling it. Um, you know, it's worth saying that it starts off as a free solution. You know, so if you want to eliminate the number of mouse clicks in the PSA, or if you want to get a better idea as to what's happening in a single screen across all of your vendors, or what what you're actively charging for through a different perspective, um, that's all completely free. Um, and, and even if you edit and adjust and save and reconcile things in that free version, it writes back to your PSA instantly again, at no cost, anything like that. If you want to add in automation of being able to drag and drop, you know, consumption reports or, or billing usage files and stuff like that from your vendors or distributors, then you can upgrade to billable pro. And I mean, that's. I think it's super cheap at 49 bucks a month, but we'll still give you a two week free trial of that with no credit card up front. Um, no speaking to salespeople, no having to do any of those engagements, just making it completely frictionless. Cause we understand when an MSP wants to engage and try and get their hands on something, they need to be able to do that. So. Well, I was going to ask you about the freemium part because yeah. in a sense you could do that as your two week, two month trial and at least see what your data is. I know that uh, you've talked about using this as just a simple cleanup tool, you know, 
making sure you get dirty data out of your your systems. Um, but then to be able to turn it into the pro version. So the the features of it, now I know we've talked about simply this billing and service reconciliation. So what are the actual, mm-hmm. let's just you know bullet point what the features are, and then they can head to the website and find out more. Yeah, so kind of it's all all on all on the website there, but I mean, you've got instant right back to your PSA. You've got single screen visibility of all of your contracts that are associated to any service line or product line. You've got per product line or per service line revenue and profit reporting. So the one thing I'll highlight on that is, you know, every MSP I've ever talked to looks at two two tiers of how am I performing financially. One is my overall business. What's my total revenue? What's my total profit? And then they drive down one level below that and they say, okay, on a contract per contract basis, which how much revenue am I making on each contract and how much profit am I making on each contract? But where, where they're not digging down deeper beyond that is how much am I making on each service that fulfills all of those contracts? You know, So you might see that contracts are profitable. But there could be one service in there where you're actually breaking even or losing money on your delivery of that, which is pulling your overall profit down, which is bringing your profit per contract down. And maybe that one service is more heavily deployed or used at one client over another versus other services. So now that looks like a bad client, but it's just you've got a bad service or a bad offering that's deployed in there that you just need to right tune and right fix. Um, So that's all in there. Um, automated, you know, data ingestion and mapping and and having that stuff flow through to your PSA, which, you know, ultimately just drives to recovering your revenue, saving your time and making your life at the end of the month a whole lot more enjoyable. Well, I can see that being a good thing because right now I've got a spreadsheet. Yes, you heard that right. I have a spreadsheet. Uh, I have one for each customer that lists out what my price is per RMM, server, desktop, Wi-Fi. I've got, you know, services. If we're doing an auditing service, if we're doing IT glue, Ninite, Defendify, all that stuff. And and then I have my hours where I list how many hours per month we're giving them uh, for their contract. So I've kind of started all that. But to have that done automatically, that would be all so sweet. Yeah. Um, So, of course, the question is going to be, for people that go there, what if they don't have a PSA? Does it? Do you have to have one of the eight PSAs that, to get in and start looking yeah, at that this? Yeah, is, that is kind of a prerequisite at this point is, is you need to be on one of those PSAs um, and list them out quickly. We've got ConnectWise Manage, Data Autotask, Kaseya BMS, Synchro, TigerPaw, Excello, Halo PSA, um, and Pulseway. Um, so if you're on one of those, hop in and, and give it a try again completely free to start free trial upgrade no credit card um just so you can see for yourself how it could work or get a better idea as to how your business is performing and what's what um but yeah you do you do need a psa and we're we're listening to the rest of the msp feedback and see either which psas we add in next or or what type of products we can integrate with that would alleviate this for a broader broader set of the market too all right and I would say that even if you get in and you're only 50% effective, $49 a month to save, if somebody's losing 10%, and let's say that's it takes you a whole day to bill for your clients, 
Yeah. You save four hours yeah. a month. That's an easy $49. Yeah. Would you pay 49 bucks for a day off? I would. I'd, I'd pay 49 bucks to get a day off, let alone find more revenue. But yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, Colin, I will have the link in there for people to go there, meetgradient.com and sign up and just get the freemium and see what you're missing out on. I have one last question. Yeah. You've, you know, are now on the third official venture of starting, Mm -hmm. running the business and stuff. And I saw somewhere that you have a goal. Currently you've got about, or at the time you printed this, you had about 30 employees. um, 13. 13. Yeah. But I saw that there was a goal to have by the end of Q1 in 2022, 60 full-time, fully remote employees. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, at the beginning of October, we had 10 employees. Um, As of Wednesday here, so two days from now, we'll be at 25 employees. Okay. And uh, we're we're on track and on path that by the end of March, we'll have uh, probably, it'll be 60 plus uh, full-time, fully remote employees as part of Gradient here. All right. Have you had people reach out to you about, dude, how do you start these businesses and grow them and sell them? Yeah. Can you you consult for me? (laughs) (laughs) No consulting time available, but I'm always, I'm always happy to talk to people. Like there's, there's, uh, there's not that much magic to it, right? It's a lot of it is having an idea, making a plan and then executing against that plan. Um, and if you're on track to hit targets with that plan, keep on going and double down on what you're doing. If you're not, change the plan and iterate it and pivot and get going until you're on track. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy journey, but I love it. It's so much fun to to be hearing from people and seeing what problems you can solve for people, and um, yeah, kind of creating new career opportunities for other people. It's uh, It's fun and rewarding at the same time. All right. Well, Colin, thank you very much for coming on the show. And as soon as I get to a place where I can set aside some time and jump on the bandwagon, I will. Uh, Again, folks, the website, meetgradient.com. We have been chatting with Colin Knox. And that is going to do it for this episode. Colin, we'll have you back on at some point. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that'll be it. And we'll be back with another episode real soon. And until then, holla.